forever. Welcome to Relatively Healthy. I'm Janie Stoller. I'm so glad you're joining us today because I have a conversation with Jackie Quinn. She is a technical consultant on the TV show Speechless, and she's a comedian, and she is a writer living with spinal muscular atrophy type 2. Uh, So a little bit about what that means. It is a motor neuron disease where her muscles aren't receiving the neurons to move, so that prevents voluntary movement. So what are we talking about today? It's pretty specific. I think um, Jackie posted an article on social media about the costs of living in accessible housing and how that's sort of become a more premium market. And so today we're talking about how society treats people with disabilities. And Jackie's note, which I think is really important, is that she wants to add that her life isn't shitty because of her disability. It's shitty because of how society treats people with disabilities. So I learned so much from this conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So Jackie, how do you describe who you are and what you do? Yes. Um, My name is Jackie Quinn, and I'm a comedy writer. I'm one of the many in LA. Um, I am right now. I'm just at the lower stages of working in television, but the end goal is to be a sitcom writer, and that's why I moved here. Um, but yeah, right now I'm a PA on the show Speechless, um, and I'm working my way up. Awesome. But yeah, I, I would say I'm a comedy writer. Nice. So yeah, Speechless. How did you? get that job like what was the first step in landing there it's such a cool show yeah um so i went to northwestern uh near chicago which opened up a lot of opportunities for me i uh, met with a showrunner um who had gone to northwestern and knew i was trying to get my first um tv job and he knew of someone who wrote for Speechless, so he connected me to him. And then I had a coffee and talked with uh, Danny Chun, who is an executive producer at Speechless. And he was like, you know what, let's let's find a spot for you. Because I was very hungry to get on the show. That's um, awesome. Yeah, Speechless aired right when I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show is about a working class family and the oldest son has cerebral palsy mm-hmm. and uses a... Um, wheelchair like I do. Um, so I just really related to the family and the show, the DeMeos. And I saw myself in JJ and I saw my mom as Minnie Driver's character <laughs> and my dad as John Ross Bowie's character. Um, and it was just, it was really cool because I was, you know, traveling from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I'm born to all the way to LA and I was very nervous about the move, but we would watch that show. My family, I'm the youngest of four. Oh, wow. So my, yeah, my three older siblings, um, and my parents, we'd all watch that show and text every week. Like, Oh my God, we can't believe we finally see a family like ours on TV. Yeah. That must um, be amazing. I mean, yeah. y- you would know, like looking back at our childhoods, there weren't a lot of depictions of families where someone was in a wheelchair at all. I really can't think of another example. 
No, there's none. Wow. Wow. So it must um, be so cool to be able to work on that show. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, as soon as it came on, I was like, I want to work on it. And then I swindled my way. Hell yeah. Swindling. That's exactly what you did. <laughs> um, so I'd love to talk with you and bring to light for our listeners some of what I see as the underdiscussed costs of living with a disability. Um, yes. You posted an article on social media. That's actually sort of what prompted me to reach out and be like, mm-hmm. oh, that actually I would love to talk about, about um, living in an accessible home and how expensive that is. And I think a lot yeah. of people don't really know what goes into it, what's required. And I just, yeah. So I'm really curious what you would say to like the costs of living with a disability as vague and horrible question as that is. <laughs> yeah. So um, the article that I posted on Facebook, um, it was called Where Accessibility Meets Luxury. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a New York Times article by CJ Hughes. Um, and he talks about how scarce accessible housing is in New York City. Um, and that it's in New York, definitely, but it, that's across the board in America. And I found that in Los Angeles, accessible housing is so, so rare. Um, and by accessible housing, I'm simply referring to I can get into the space and I can use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That's that's like it. Right. And so you would think that that isn't so hard and there are rules about newer buildings having to comply with certain regulations, but mm-hmm. it's still very hard to find those spaces. Very, very difficult. Um, I was living in uh, Pico Robertson area in L.A., and um, I was on the second floor of a pretty small apartment complex, um, and the elevator would frequently break. (gasps) So So if I was outside the building, um, I would, you know, call the landlord and say the elevator's broken again, and they would get someone out to fix it, but that might not be until the next morning. Um, and then they would pay for me to stay a night at the hotel. Oh my which god! Is nice, but not very convenient. No, because you still have to get there. All that. Oh my god! Yeah. No. Yeah. So it kept breaking. Um, and the final straw was I. It broke while I was inside my apartment, <sighs> and it it wasn't fixed for six days. <gasps> what? So I was missing work and going stir crazy. <laughs> um. And I, I just knew I needed to get out of there. Oh, my uh, God. Then the apartment hunt was about two and a half months for oh me just looking for God. affordable, accessible housing. Well, that's the thing. What you're saying, too, is like, it's not just that they don't exist. I'm sure that they're more expensive by virtue of the fact that they may be newer or have like what we consider amenities that should just be a given. I can't believe you were in there for six days. Oh my God. Did people bring you food and check on you? (laughs) Yeah. Some friends came over. It was nice. And I happened to have a friend from Milwaukee visiting. So I felt so bad because she was just hanging out with me in my apartment instead of showing her in LA. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my God. I can't imagine that. So then two and a half months later, you finally found another place. Finally found another place. And Honestly, yeah, like I said, my um, criteria for that was, does it have more than one elevator? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just found mm-hmm. out 
we can't depend on one. Yeah. Um, or, or a ground floor unit, but those are very hard to come by because people don't leave those units. Yeah. Um, so does it have more than one elevator and can my, um, you know, wheelchair get through the apartment and be able to like get into a bathroom? Yeah. And even in LA, just thinking about all my friends' apartments, that already, I can't think of many that fit that criteria. I mean, so many are just so inaccessible. Yeah. Most, most have steps. Um, sometimes there's steps like not at the front door, but even just like inside the apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm like, you know, should I just put a ramp in in here? Mm -hmm. Um, and the housing, so you brought up like if there's the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was signed into law in 1990, that covers public spaces needing to be accessible. Mm. Private housing, like apartments or anything, that doesn't fall under the ADA. Really? I thought the new buildings had to have certain accessibility. Interesting. Yes. So the um, Fair Housing Amendments Act required that buildings built after March 1991 be constructed with certain design features mm-hmm. that allow them to be adaptable. Oh, I see. Interesting. So what that, okay. Yeah, what that means is if a if a building like the design of it, the architecture has steps, that's fine. They don't need to accommodate to accessible mm-hmm. um, units. But let's say you're doing like a big complex and there's elevators, then that means um, that they have to have certain units be, have to have reasonable accommodations. Um, hold on, sorry, let me rephrase. Mm-hmm. Um, so apartment complexes have to make sure their bottom floor units can be adapted. So like, you know, grab bars near toilets mm-hmm. or showers. Mm-hmm. They're saying, oh, we can put those in. Got it. For so but they're not yeah. saying, mm-hmm. they're not saying, oh, we can make the shower into a stall that doesn't have a lip for an accessible shower chair to go into it. They're okay. saying like, oh, we'll put the, the light switches a little lower so you can reach them. Yeah, it's bare minimum. Yes. Interesting. And, and then like, and the, yeah, the phrase reasonable accommodations mm-hmm. is used a lot. And they're saying I can ask them if they can, Hey, can you make my bathtub into a shower, like flat walk-in so I can use it? Mm-hmm. And they'll go, Oh no, that's not reasonable. That's really expensive. Whoa. So then that would be something required of the tenant if they wanted yes. that. Oh yes. my and God. Then, and then I need to ask them, like, let's say I had the money for that, which I don't. I'm 24. And yeah, um, that's got to be so expensive. <laughs> so expensive to remodel your rented yeah. apartment. Yeah. Um, let's say I ask the landlord. They first have to approve or deny the request for me to pay for it. <laughs> you know, they may go, oh, no, you know, you're not going to be renting this for a while. We don't want to have you do any renovation. Mm-hmm. So they can say no. Um, but then if they do say yes... They also might make you renovate it back to its original. No. If you move out. Yes. So unless you can afford to buy a home and make it work for you, you may be in that situation. Right. And then I'm looking for 
an apartment with a roll-in shower, which I need to shower. Mm -hmm. I can't go into a tub. It's way too low for someone to pick me up from that floor, especially when you're slippery after showering. Oh, my God. Was there a resource, a special resource of some kind for finding an apartment that was accessible? Or are you out there like on apartments.com just looking? Yeah. I'm just on Rec Cafe looking. And then you're having these extra conversations with every single landlord about yes. these things? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, that's crazy. Um, yeah. Going back to the article that you saw where accessibility meets luxury. So developers are taking advantage of these um, requirements like people like me need where I need wider doorways so my wheelchair can get through the apartment. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, oh, like, we can just make open spaces and wider doorways and these roll-in showers, and they look luxurious. They look like, you know, oh, you got this really big apartment, and then they can have it cost way more. Mm. So, so that's now like a luxury. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a luxury for me. It's a necessity. Right. Wow. So if you're but, someone who isn't extremely wealthy... It's yeah. yeah, that's not you're not necessarily going to get in one of those units. No, damn. And so that was New York. And it's similar in L.A. I'm sure it's everywhere. I mean, this just sounds like a very huge issue that I feel like people aren't discussing enough. So I'm also yeah, curious. And, and there's um, there's a wait list mm. for accessible housing. But at least in Los Angeles, I tried to put my name on one and they said it's so full that they're not even taking names at this point. Really? They're not even taking names? Mm-hmm. Wow. See, this is so crazy because I know that LA has a affordable housing crisis, as so many cities yes. do, but this is such a huge layer of it that's so important that feels like it should be prioritized and on ballots and just feels very strange that this isn't being considered um, mm-hmm. a priority. That's crazy. Because I was going to ask about, so federal and state assistance. So from what I understand in California if you are under a certain income bracket or if you're blind, disabled, over 65, there are services that are provided. Um, But I'm really curious about that stuff. I I mean, I was trying to read it and I'm too dumb to understand what I was reading. I don't think I understand anything, but I'd love to discuss that stuff and if you've interacted with anything in that realm. Yes. So I am on Social Security as... um, I qualify because I'm disabled um, and I signed up for that as soon as I turned 18 on my 18th birthday, I was in the social security office filling out an application. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah. I was was super hungover from the night before (laughs) and just like in line in the heat. It was bad. So social security is how I receive care in terms of, um, it's called self-directed care. And self-directed care means that I hire my care providers who is lifting me, helping me get dressed, helping me um, get food, helping me go to the grocery store. Those people who are like um, my personal care attendants Mm -hmm. are getting paid through this government program called In-Home Supportive Services, Mm -hmm. IHSS. And I qualify for IHSS because I'm on Social Security disability. Now, 
it's a very intricate system and I'm still learning things every year about it. It's so difficult to navigate um, social security because, okay, so let's go back and say that I am able to qualify for social security and the bare minimum, you know, qualification is that my assets don't exceed $2,000. $2,000 how? A month. A month. Okay. Okay. So that doesn't include your home or your car. Oh, interesting. Okay. But in terms of cash, savings account, checking account, that cannot exceed $2,000. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> there's... um. A couple loopholes around that, or I guess just one, it's called an ABLE account. Mm-hmm. And that was made, it's kind of like a Swiss bank account. It was made so disabled people can save some money that isn't counted in this $2,000. Yeah, because 2000 in your account being like such a, that's such a sm- relatively small amount to sort of pretend like, I don't know, I, that. Okay, I'm not qualified to speak about this, but it just feels like then it would incentivize loopholes. It would incentivize people to like not be saving. I mean, that's just such Mm -hmm. a low amount to require as the maximum. It's it's so low. And I always think about if I need an emergency surgery or something that like that, or I can't work because of my disability for a while, I don't have, you know, I wouldn't have savings. Wow. 2000. Okay. 2000 is so low. If you're married, it's 3000 for you and your partner. It's 3000 together. This feels like someone set this number in 1975 and never updated it. This is unbelievable. (laughs) It makes no sense. And that's why a lot of disabled people don't um, actually get married. You know, they'll have like the service, but they don't want to be legally married because it um, hurts their resources. Wow. Oh my yes. God. And sorry, I interrupted you. This is so fascinating. The able, so an able account is like a Swiss bank account. It's like an offshore yeah, type of thing. Basically like my, mine is in Tennessee mm-hmm. and there's only a few States that offer them. And I found out that earlier this year, Tennessee said, okay, we're done setting up able accounts. You know, we've hit our maximum. We're not taking on any new cases. And I was so lucky that I even found this loophole, so to speak. Um, my dad is a banker and my brother-in-law is a banker. So they happen to be like around these sorts of like announcements and news being like, oh, there's an ABLE account thing happening. Interesting. And they like, should sign up because now you can have some savings. And someone who maybe didn't have that information or a relative to help them out may not have been able Correct. to. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Correct. Yeah. I like... And, and yeah, it was never like my social security caseworker telling me this. Mm-hmm. It was my own research. Wow. Uh, of navigating the system of being like, okay, I live in Los Angeles. My rent is more than 2000 a month. How am I going to be able to save some money? Yeah. And you have to be so, you have to be so organized and so on mm-hmm. your accounting to make this work. I mean, it just sounds like so much effort to make sure you're like qualifying yes. whatever. Oh, yes. Okay. Wow. 
Holy shit. So that's, yes, that's the holy shit mic drop of the beginning of this fucked up system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, once you qualify for disability, you have to turn in all sources of your income. So I turn in my paychecks every month saying, this is what I'm making. Now, if I didn't, if I wasn't working, um, it turns out that I would get $750 a month from federal SSI money mm-hmm. and $160 a month from the state. Okay. So that's about $900. Yeah. And again, going back to even baseline rent in Los Angeles, that's not going to come close. And it, we're no. talking about you finding a very specific type of apartment. No way. No way. No way. So the calculations then I send in like, this is what I'm making. And then they like subtract 20 because they don't count $20 of it. And then they subtract 65 because they don't count $65 of it for whatever reason. And then they divide it in half because that's what they're counting. So they do all these like calculations and then, okay, you, um, you made 1000, let's say you made 1800 this month. Mm -hmm. That means that we are going to send you $17. What? Uh, $17. I'm looking at a social security paper in front of me because they mail you these and they're like, okay, here's what you're going to get. Oh my God. And you're just, you just did so much work to like calculate all these things and make sure you qualify. (laughs) And it's like, oh good. Here's the $17 for the 12 hours of physical, emotional labor I just did. Okay, cool. (laughs) Wow. It's, exhausting it sounds like the kookiest system it's like just truly nuts oh my god yes was it like this in um wait did you were you in illinois were you doing oh i guess i we haven't talked about state this is still federal right yeah so it changes a bit like i i never used illinois program because i was still a state of wisconsin resident Mm -hmm. but um wisconsin has more money than california Interesting. And the cost of living is so much higher here. Yes. Yes. Wow. So I was receiving more hours of care Mm -hmm. in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. than I am in California. And that was a big shock when I moved here. Interesting. How many hours are you, were you getting versus now? So, um, you know, like I said, I started qualifying at 18 and the hours did increase um from like freshman year of college until senior year mm-hmm. i received more hours but by the time i graduated i had about 20 hours a day of service mm-hmm. and i don't need that um in terms of i can spend some time on my, by myself or i'm hanging out with friends and i don't need a personal care attendant with me mm-hmm. but it really really helped because it covered night hours and, you know, God forbid I'm in my bed and there's a fire and I can't get out. Mm. And I, need, yeah. I need someone there. Yeah, that makes sense. I was wondering about that. Like, would you need someone at night? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So or even just to turn me a few times at night so I don't get bed sores. Mm-hmm. It's also necessity. Um, so, yeah, back um, in Wisconsin, I was receiving roughly 20 hours a day for care. Whether or not I used all of that, that's what I was receiving. 
qualified for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to Los Angeles the fall of 2016. And my mom came with me thinking, you know, she was going to help me find an apartment, help me hire some people and be on her way after like a month or two. You know, she knew it was going to take some time to get me set up. Mm-hmm. But um, we moved here, got an apartment because you have to show that you're a legal resident before you can qualify for any sort of state care. That's already Uh, such a giant problem of like finding the place before you can then do this. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So we did that and then we got the appointment for a social worker to come evaluate me and see what my needs were. And after all that, you know, you receive a letter in the mail a month later and it says that you receive 270 hours a month for care, which is about nine hours a day. Whoa. Yeah. Divided in half. Wow. That's so crazy. What is that? Is that just California's budget? Like what, what is that? I think so. Oh my God. I think it's just that California's broke. That the two, you've just had this experience where two states have both assessed and said such different things. That's insane. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Um, so then, you know, fast forward two years later, I'm now living on my own. My parents are back in Wisconsin, but because I only have about nine hours a day of care, mm-hmm. I'm supplementing the hours that I don't have covered that I need covered, which is basically overnights mm-hmm. by paying for my live-in personal care attendance rent. Huh. Interesting. So she gets, you know, free rent for utilities in order for me to have her help me turn me at night and cover any shifts that I can't get covered by my four other girls working for me. Yeah. That's like the the deal is like she is on call for me. Yeah. But I am paying her rent. So that very expensive apartment that I had to rent because mm-hmm. there was no other accessible housing, mm-hmm. now I'm paying two-thirds of it. Two-thirds of it. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is unbelievable. And just the idea, too, that this is such... You're getting... You're like... They're, like, giving you the scraps. And then even if you just have, like, a small accounting error that it could all go wrong is just unbelievable. And And, like, you know, if if they lose a paycheck of mine that I mail in, um, they could send me a couple hundred dollars and then they go, Oh wait, we gave you this money, but we weren't supposed to pay it back. Wow. And -hmm. you're on the hook for that. And it was completely their fault. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is truly, truly bonkers. It's like, you know, trying to cancel your cable, but times a billion. It's just like the worst, the things that make you want to pull your hair out. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, wow. So that is interesting. I'd be really curious in different states how that varies. I know that, yeah, California's budget is really bad, but I, w- I was naive about what it was really affecting. I didn't realize it was affecting something so important. Um mm-hmm. And then I'm also curious about the the costs of transportation and like the pains in the ass of getting around and travel. Um, I know New York where I lived 
It is infamously inaccessible. Most of the subway stops completely just don't have anything for people in a wheelchair. And then most of the time, all the um, elevators are broken. And I've heard some horror stories about people trying to navigate that city. Um, That's all. That's like the only sort of reference I have. But L.A., I'm very curious, especially because it's such a car city, like how getting around here is going. Yeah. So one thing um, that I think is just like a good uh, summary of it. So in-home supportive services, IHSS, which pays for my care, they allot me 15 minutes a week to travel. Mm. (laughs) Okay. So that's in LA. That means sitting in traffic near your house for 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I just wanted to show how the the system is built for disabled people to stay in their homes. They're not supposed to leave their homes uh-huh. because only one hour of the two seventy is for one hour a month is used for travel. It's supposed to be. Oh my god! I assumed that there were like shuttle services and. You know, yeah, a secret we, I'll, I'll lift operation. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting angry. Sure. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so there is a curb to curb ride shared service. It's called Access. Um, it's same old through the government. So I had to go to downtown LA, say, hey, I want to apply for an Access card. And they um, evaluate me and make sure I am disabled and do qualify. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you get a card in the mail saying, yes, now you can call this service if you need a ride. So the positives here, are it is an option. <laughs> There's, you know, for someone who needs an accessible vehicle like myself, it is an option for me to call them to get somewhere. And it's pretty cheap. It's just like a bus fare. I think the maximum it'll cost you is like three fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the negatives are, let's say I want to go to your comedy show. Mm-hmm. Um, I would need to give them a window of time to pick me up. So if your show is at eight and I think it's going to take an hour to get there, then I need to tell them, Oh, pick me up between four and six. Four. Because they basically make you give them a two-hour window to pick you up. Oh, my God. So I don't want to say six to eight because they could come at eight and then I miss your show. Also, like the other scenario is bad, too. If you get picked up at four and then you're sitting around for three hours. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's a window of arrival for for the car to arrive. Um, And that goes for the back end, too, picking you up from whatever location later there can be a two-hour window of getting picked up too Mm -hmm. so let's say like this could be useful if you wanted to go run an errand on a day when you didn't have much going on and you you gave the two hours and it's like okay well i don't really care when i go but still then you'd potentially be waiting two hours more at that place waiting to go home yeah um but you forgot that you're not allowed to call the day of for a ride you have to plan it 24 hours in advance oh my god wow so so there's jeez yeah the arrival windows um you have must plan the trip 24 hours in advance and 
other passengers join in on the ride. Mm-hmm. So even if I get picked up at five, there might be two other people in the car already that I'm going on their trips first. Do you ever use this? No, I've used it like twice. And I did it once with a friend being like, hey, can you take this with me to see if it's mm-hmm. a plausible option? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they arrived like an hour and a half later than we would have liked. Mm-hmm. And they took us to Chili's because we thought that would be an okay place to show up late to. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we, we stopped at another passenger's drop off first. So our trip to Chili's, which like, if you put it on Google Maps, it was going to be like a 45-minute drive. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, two hours to get there. This is unbelievable. So like if someone wants to afford to be able to travel to work, this is not an option. Like you just can't be, no. Sure, no. Yeah, because there's no guarantee that you're going to get to work on time. Oh, my God. So really, you're, what you're saying is... I'm hearing like this is the system is designed to keep people from leaving their homes. Yes, definitely. Um, And you look at Uber and Lyft and they were literally sued for wheelchair accessible vehicles to be made available. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Are they is that happening now? Are they doing that? Um, I think it closed. I I would have to look it up, but I think it, it the case is closed and. They are enacting it, okay. but it's something so small. Oh, yeah. That it's like, it's and then like, that's going to be another one of those things that's considered a premium. I mean, it's like we were talking yeah. about housing that all of a sudden it's like, ooh, like a luxury rarity instead of a staple or something where there should be a quota of how many cars they have out there. Right. And I, I haven't used them because honestly, when I tried about a year or two ago, mm-hmm. um, I clicked the button on the app that says, like, you know, you're looking for accessible rides, and all the cars disappeared. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, not for me. Oh, my God. Uh, and, like, I don't trust drivers enough anyway. Like, if they, yeah. you know, are saying that, who knows? Also, like, who knows who's vetting that? I don't know. The whole mm-hmm. thing just doesn't sound legit enough. Yeah. And there's um, enough. A disabled model, Jillian Mercado. Mm-hmm. You should follow her on Instagram if you don't. She's so beautiful and a pretty visible disabled activist. Um, and I, I remember seeing on her story a couple months ago that she uses um, Uber or Lyft and realized that they were only offering those accessible fans during like weekend nights. Hmm. Because. I think that fit their quota for how many rides they need to offer. Oh, so it wasn't even like every single day or at any point there needs to be this number. It could just be per week. Oh, wow. So they're obviously going to do it at the time where their cost is the highest. Wow. This is one of those things. My God. Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, it's another example of like, what if she wanted to get to work and use that? Can't. Can't. This is something that I think like, I could see them being pressured by people to do more on. I'm glad she's using her platform to talk about that because mm-hmm. I think these companies, they just try to have such a pretty image or like, you know, especially Uber. I feel like they're like, we've changed. We're so good and accommodating. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Hearing the story, that's really messed up. That's awful. Yeah. 
and you'd think this app that is having drivers for people sh- would be perfect for disabled totally totally that should be their market yes and also like if they want good pr like that's that would be awesome yeah. to be like hey this has been something that's been underserved let's do it yeah yeah um so how do you yeah how do you get around mostly then in la so i i my parents gave me the accessible van that i was using mm-hmm. at home um so i have friends or my personal care attendants drive me oh okay cool but that also counts into my nine hours a day Mm. because if someone is dropping you know getting me ready helping me go to work and then they need to take my van back home that doubles that time Mm -hmm. yeah so all my all my travel is pretty much doubled um which doesn't help for gas no. <laughs> and it doesn't help for, um, like I was hoping to get, uh, an accessible, affordable place in the Valley cause it would be cheaper. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, my hours are going to be sucked up by people driving me to and from work. Cause I work on the Fox lot. Right. Which is West LA. Right. Yeah. So now so you like, have to factor so many things in calculating rent versus travel mm-hmm. versus all these different parts of it. Mm-hmm. Like I was excited to go live with all my friends over by Echo Park and just like bite the bullet and do the commute. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I can't, I can't bite that bullet. I only have nine hours a day and I can't have two of the hours be in the car. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. I can't believe that counts. Um, and then what about airplane travel? Are, how accommodating is that and how accessible have you found it to be? It's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the bathrooms uh, are so small on those planes. Yeah. There's, there's no way to go to the bathroom if you're disabled on an airplane. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times they break wheelchairs. Um, there was actually a new um, rule that Congress passed Um and Senator Tammy Duckworth was at the forefront of pushing for this mm-hmm. because she uses a manual wheelchair. Um, and she noticed that how many chairs were getting broken um, through air travel. And um, so in, they made a rule saying that airlines had to now monitor how many chairs they were breaking. That wasn't being monitored before? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So, um, in the very first set of data that was collected from December 4th, 2018 to December 31st, mm-hmm. um, on average, the U S airlines were breaking 25 chairs a day, 25 a day. Yes. Wow. Yes. That's unbelievable. So even though I'm going to and from, Milwaukee and LA and visiting my sister in Colorado. Uh, I'm mostly going on road trips. Mm-hmm. Um, one, that's just like my family likes to go on road trips. Like we're used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's like, you don't want to take the chance of boarding a plane and getting off and you can't m- move because your chair is your broken. Chair's broken. It's not just the cost. It's not just the inconvenience. It's literally what yeah. are you going to do when you get there? Yes. Yeah. Wow. 
And I'm assuming so, oh, fixing your chair isn't easy. I'm assuming that there's a lot of technology involved and it's very particular. It's not like something, you know, you can just like you're in Wisconsin and just like do overnight. Yeah. And it's also what insurance is going to cover because mm-hmm. maybe your insurance is only like we cover this specific branch in Los Angeles. Like then you're going to get on the phone and fight with insurance and be like, no, I need you to pay for this place we used it in Colorado because I landed and my chair was broken. My God. And, and a lot of times the airline, you know, you'll fight the airline to pay for it. And that's a whole debacle. Oh my God. This is too nuts. It's just too crazy. I don't know what to do. I just, it's <laughs> funny. It's like, I've seen, you know, in, I get so, I see like in LA and in New York, I've seen in, in comedy stages, how inaccessible they are. And, you know, there's always stairs and people's apartment. But I think I really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with this because I really about this because I really don't think like I'm sure that we're just also just like tip of the iceberg on all these costs and all the things that are inaccessible. And I just feel very grateful you're taking the time because so many of these things are just so invisible and they're infuriating. And it just feels like these should be priorities. And I don't know whether I want to end all government or make government huge, (laughs) but I definitely don't love this whole idea that like state to state, your care could differ. What's, you know, what you're getting is differing. It's not at all in line with the cost of living. It's just unbelievable. And all these private companies are just awful. Yeah. Awful. And it's not even state by state. It's county to county sometimes. Mm. Okay, like so, I had a friend. Yes. Oh, I was gonna ask that. So, like, if you were if you were in like the suburbs, it would be different. If you were in, or like yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So I had a friend who lived in Madison, Wisconsin, and she was not allowed to hire her own caregivers because they didn't have self directed care as an option there. So they just sent whatever nurse in this program to her dorm, and. Like any college student, you just want to like fit in and not draw attention to yourself. Yeah. So, so she had like nurses with her when she's like, I don't need a nurse. <laughs> my you know? God. I just need, I just need someone to help me get my lunch in this cafeteria and put it in front of me. I don't need someone in scrubs. No. Who, who's making me feel more othered. Wow. You know? I'm also thinking now about you're probably not going to know exactly what a county, you know, is going to be able to provide until you live there. It's not like there's a website where you can be like, okay, so I researched it and this is the county where I've like, you just plug in your salary and then your commute and you figure it out. I mean, this is just so many variables that are so Mm -hmm. it's all like, just like in the wind and it's just like chasing down the information as it happens. There's no way to, game this you know what I mean it's just so much yeah it is so much and like I don't mind educating people about this stuff because I'm still learning things Mm -hmm. so often yeah that I'm like okay if I learn this and I'm like what the fuck how does that make sense (laughs) right then I want to tell other people and then they go what the fuck (laughs) yeah or maybe someone yeah "Yeah." someone listening Um, to this podcast may have a tip or like just be like hey by the way you know this is a thing so who knows? Yeah. It just, I, would, I, was, I would say that the the only reason I'm like still on Facebook mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. is because the disability community on there gives me so many answers mm-hmm. that 
no no googling or even asking a caseworker yeah answer yeah are you in a group that's like a a private group that's just specifically for los angeles i haven't really found i'm in a group for um ihss in los angeles okay Mm -hmm. but that includes like the care providers Mm. and that's a lot of them being like you know if i work this shift can i get paid so it's not that I haven't really found a Los Angeles group mm-hmm. that's helped me. Yeah. Just an overall living with muscular dystrophy is a private Facebook group page, Facebook group. Uh, that really helps me be like, hey, I got this letter from Social Security telling me that they're going to cancel my benefits because I made too much money this month. That happened to me last month. Did it? Yeah, I, I had... And this is, again, like you said, you have to be so meticulous in your planning. But my bank account was at um, 1998, which I thought was under. Yeah. But I didn't realize that my parents have a savings account that we don't use because, again, you can't have savings. Oh, my God. Um, that has $25 in it just to keep the account active. Oh, my God. So that put me over. So then they were like, okay, you have more resources than 2000. Um, and you know, what is that? $2,023. So that means that, oh, you don't need us to pay for care. You can afford it. Holy shit. My God. So So then I had to go in and fight and say, Hey, no, this is a misunderstanding. I am really disabled and I, I need to, still remain qualified because I get IHSS through disability, social security, and I also qualify for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it, it's a lot of people's health insurance. Is this is, this. Yeah. And I, it's going to be like, you're also in a field where your salary is going to change so much and writers have inconsistent work. Like managing this just feels like it's not setting you up for, being able to live and like just do your thing. This is just a lot to handle on top of yes. everything else. This is a shit ton. Yes. Wow. And I know I wish yeah. I wish I was just like doing the PA gig of 12 hour days which sucks, but you know, you just got to trudge through it. Mm-hmm. But then everything everything that you're doing of like getting dressed in the morning, showering, driving to work multiply by th- that by three and that's how long it takes me mm-hmm. I would say is the general marker so I might be working 12 hours but I woke up earlier because I needed someone to help get me dressed and that takes a while and help shower me and that takes a while yeah and then I get home and I need to eat dinner and that takes me a while because the muscles used for swallowing don't fire as well as yours mm-hmm so all this, I'm, my disability is so exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people don't know that because it's not something I want to advertise. Yeah. You, know, you don't want, you don't want to advertise your weaknesses. You don't want to say, Hey, while we're sitting here, I'm working to keep my head up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you are doing a really hard job too. And so, yeah. You know, it's also one of those things, I think most industries are like this, but I just know about it from writer's rooms. It's like, you're supposed to be 
this eager beaver and say yes to everything and work really hard. And so I'm sure there's pressure to like, you know, you can't express some of that stuff too. Um, yes. Wow. And I was going to ask you, you kind of touched on this just now, but like, what are some misconceptions that you encounter about living with a disability or living, you know, life in a wheelchair? Are there things that you just wish you could be shake people and be like, this is something <laughs> you got wrong or something you should know? Uh, yeah, just everything. <laughs> uh, I think, I think that, like I said, a lot of people don't know how many, how intricate things are for me. Mm-hmm. Like hopping in the shower isn't an option. Mm-hmm. Hopping isn't. Um, I, I just spend so much time calculating when I'm going to be able to eat because when am I going to have care here? And do I prioritize um, like going to the grocery store at that time or would I prefer to like shower? And it's just like, I guess the biggest misconception is people don't know how much work it is for us Mm -hmm. to be living a quote unquote normal life Yeah, and, and fighting for it. Because like you said, like with this $2,000 max to qualify for your healthcare and benefits, um, that's a dissentive not to work. Yeah. It, and you're not supposed to leave your house and you know, I, it's crazy. That's like, there's a lot of myths out there about people on disability. You know, you hear a lot of stuff where you're like, that isn't how it really is, but it's also that the system has not really been designed to accommodate people living, you know, active lives who are going after their dreams. Like it just is designed to make you not do those things. Right. And it's like 20% of America has disabilities. And some of those might be invisible disabilities, unlike mine, because I use a motorized chair and people see that right away. But the reason in your head, you're like, wow, 20%, that's pretty high is because all the disabled people are being kept in their homes because mm-hmm. those are their options. And like, you see a lot of like open blue spaces when you're parking and you're like, Oh, I wish I had a blue car to park there. But mm-hmm. it's like those spots are open because we as a society are, are telling disabled people to stay in their homes. Yeah. Right. Wow. <sighs> yeah. 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 And and I think like a really good example of like the steps I take to live uh, an average life is, um, so last year I was a PA on season two of Speechless and I still only had nine hours a day of care. Mm -hmm. So I really needed to use that before and after my, my shift because I needed someone to help me get up and get dressed and go to work. And then I needed someone to help me after work. And even if I wanted someone to come help me go to the bathroom for 15 minutes, no one was going to take an hour shift for Mm -hmm. that. Like that's no one wants that. And I couldn't use more hours to lure them because I didn't have the extra hours. Mm -hmm. So I had my, my dad was still living in Los Angeles because we were still navigating like, how I could hire someone to help me during those extra shifts. Mm -hmm. 
so he would meet me at work twice a day because 12 hour shifts and help get me on the toilet to go to the bathroom. Wow. And And that just speaks to the support system that I have. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't. Because then that is your father taking time from his work or in his life and all the implications. he Mm -hmm. He retired early. Yeah. To come live with me in LA to navigate this. Wow. Wow. I would, I don't want to talk about your workplace. I know how TV is, but I would just hope that there were, you know, an understanding writer's room more than some others, just given what they're showing. Oh, yes. About. Okay, good. Yeah. And I, I think because Speechless is familiar with mm-hmm. disability, um, I think that's the only reason I was hired as a PA. Because I can't do most of the PA tasks. So oh, yeah. I going mean, on yeah, I was a PA. I was just like tasks. getting salads all day. Yeah. Just driving around getting salads. It was my whole life. I'll actually tell you, my very first uh, summer internship, it was before junior year. Mm-hmm. I was hired as an intern. And I was given the task of going to pick up lunches. <laughs> okay, cool. And I was so scared to like tell them, like, hey, you know I can't drive or carry 12 lunches right like, I just was like so scared because I was like oh I need to say yes and be accommodating and make sure that I'm not seen as um incapable mm-hmm. and I never want to be seen as incapable mm-hmm. so what I would do is I would my mom was with me that summer and I she would hang around the uh, building around lunchtime and I go, okay, they just sent me to go get lunch. And I'd go downstairs and she would drive me to the lunch spot. Oh my God. I would, I would sit in the car while she went in and got the lunches. That's so these amazing. these restaurants were like thought this was the oldest PA. I love that. Or they thought the like game. it was like a helicopter parent situation. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this, yeah. you know, snobby kid gets their mom to pick up the lunches. That's so yeah. funny. Oh my and god! To, to this day, I don't think the show would do that. Well, it's almost like I wish they would. You know how hard I work. I went out of my way, and you should give my mom a raise too. I mean, that's you know, like hey. But also, yeah. that's another thing. A whole other topic for another podcast is like there should not be entry level jobs in an industry that isn't a physical industry that require yeah. physical labor at minimum wage um the way writers pas are asked to do that yeah yeah and it's like i there's so many things in this world that i can't do mm-hmm. sitting in a writer's room coming up with ideas and yeah. jokes is right. one of them right there should not be the barrier in between right now and there is can you go pick up lunch and physically like you know navigate with 12 starbucks drinks at once which by the way i did drop all 12 starbucks drinks at once and i am having a horrible flashback right now well, i'm so sorry <laughs> it was really yeah thank you so much it was um it was a day but um that, was, that was your vietnam <laughs> if you want to put it lightly yeah um <laughs> oh my god jackie we're getting to the end of this podcast but i truly could talk with you all day and i can't thank you enough this is this has been so educational i can only imagine how many times you want to roll your eyes when people ask you these questions and are shocked by like just the stuff that you deal with all the time with social security and all this bullshit but i hope that you i I hope the listeners appreciate that you i'm sure they do that you went out of your way to do this and i feel very incentivized to be on the lookout for these things more and if there's anything with our local elections or pressuring companies i'm gonna be speaking up because this shit sucks it sucks yeah. 
The shit does suck. Yeah. But I really do thank you so much for coming on. Um, if people want to either get in touch with you in a non-creepy way or uh, <laughs> find you or, you know, in a non-creepy way, uh, what do you recommend? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And my handle is LL Cool Jackie. I'm just waiting for LL Cool J to drop that. <laughs> and then I'll snag that handle. I'm um, honestly think LL Cool Jackie is the best handle, though, like of all time. <laughs> I know. It's it's good until he gets canceled, you know? Oh, my God. Wait, you're then, right. Then I have to change it. I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. LL, I'm, I'm hoping that he he keeps the lick lipping, the lick licking of his lips to himself. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then we're good. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, my God. Wow. LL. Okay. I'm going to also be writing a letter to him being like, please keep the lips <laughs> inside. Um, okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. <laughs>